Several years ago, in fact, it was 2006, in one of the international missionary retreats that Brenda and I held for missionaries, especially in Europe, but around the world, I've been wanting for several years to preach through the book of Job. Job is an outstanding book, played a part in my surrendering to the ministry, and I had learned through the years that one way to prepare for a series of messages, Paul, in a book like that, is to read through the book in one, in, in one go, in, in one sitting, to read the entire book. And I did that. It takes about an hour and a half, by the way, to read the book of Job. Um, the next day I did it again, and the next day I did it again. Three days running, each day I, ran, I read through the book of Job. And I got to tell you, I, I met with God. He spoke to my heart from that book in an incredible way. And the messages that he gave me that I brought at that retreat were life-changing. Anyone who was at that retreat will tell you they never looked at the book of Job the same again. It was life-changing. And Catherine, I began to realize through that that I had not been spending as much time as I needed to in the Word of God. I've read other things. You know, we have a tendency in the ministry to read books about the Bible and to read whatever's popular in ministry at the time. But I was not spending time just enjoying reading the Bible. And I set out in August of 2006. I said, I'm, I'm going to start reading through the Bible, and, and I'm going to, to read through twice in a year. Now, one time I read through three times in a year, and I thought it was going to kill me, Kim. It was, I thought, man, that's a lot of reading, three times through the Bible in a year. And I was going to be, you know modern techno, I was going to use my computer to read through the Bible, and I had downloaded the NIV on my computer. Well, that was dumb. Tony, to read through your Bible on your computer, uh, you have to open the thing up and let it boot up. And this was back in the day when it took a while, Vince, for the computer to boot up. Not only that, but Kelly, you had to have a charged up battery. Otherwise, you don't... And, and I was not doing well. In January, I was, 
I'd gotten to something like Isaiah. It, it, it was not pretty. And we, Brenda and I were on the way to Uruguay for, to, for some counseling with missionary family there. And going through Little Rock Airport. Now, in that day, about the only place. I mean, I saw a Bible, Cindy, on, the sh on a book rack in the bookstore at the airport. And I thought, that's unique. Nowhere but Little Rock, Arkansas, can you find a Bible on the shelf getting on a plane. Now, that's not true anymore. There are a lot of places. But in that day, that's the only place I'd ever seen one. Larry, I bought a Bible. And I bought an NLT. It was pocket-sized, so it was easy for me to carry. You know what? I didn't have to have a battery charged up. <laughs> I'm, I'm still fond of the hard copy. And, but, but it would fit in my jacket pocket, and I could read it on the plane, and I fell in love with the NLT and the Old Testament especially. And by the time I got home from that, I was caught up on my reading, and I started over. And the crazy thing happened, I was enjoying what I was doing every morning to the point that I realized I was about to finish the second trip through the Bible in 60 days. That was crazy. And I remembered a story I translated for the guy named Jeff Adams in, in Kenya and preaching about reading the Bible, interpreting the Scripture, and preaching from what you've read. And Jeff Adams told me that he had read through the Bible every month for three years. In fact, Jeff Adams never went to seminary. That was his seminary training. He read through the Bible 12 times a year for three years. And Jenny, there was something special about Jeff Adams. He was different. Different than anybody I ever met. It had an impact on his life. Jamie, I thought, what if I could read through the Bible in 30 days, one time in my life? I may never be able to do it again. And so, I didn't have the scissors that were left in that little NLT. Been a long weekend, and it's 1,300 pages. I can read Hunt for Red October over a four-day period, and I can't read through the Bible in a month? Oh my. So then, Alice, I started timing myself reading. How long does it take me to read a page in that Bible? And to multiply that, you know, I divided the, the Bible up, and I was, it was like 310 page, 10 pages. Anyway, I counted how long it would take me to do that. And you're looking at me saying, read through the whole Bible in 30 days. You say the same thing to me that I said to Jeff Adams. How long does that take? How long are you reading every day? Two hours and 20 minutes. How long is a movie? Two hours. Sometimes two hours, 10 minutes, two hours, 15 minutes. Seems like they're getting longer every year. I can sit down and watch a movie, but I can't read through the Bible? Something's wrong. Something's wrong. And back in those days, I was into motorcycles. Some of you remember that. That was back when I had hair. <clears throat> sort of. 
And I read motorcycle magazines. And I would watch the news. And I had my TV programs that I liked to watch. And I'm not saying that any of that is a sin against God. But the fact that I thought I could not read my Bible and I had time for everything else was a sin against God. And I, I made a commitment. I was not yet through with that read, Dennis, that was going to end up being through the Bible in 60 days. I wasn't finished with that, but I made a plea to God. It was not so much a commitment, Kim, as it was, let me do this, Lord. Help me. I want to do this. And I made a commitment, I will not turn the TV on in the morning to watch any news. I will not pick up the newspaper. We subscribed to the newspaper in, in those days. I will not do anything until I have finished my Bible reading in the morning. And maybe that will give me time that one time in my life I can read through the Bible in 30 days. And in May of 2007, for the first time in my life, I read through the Bible in 30 days. And I loved it. I saw things. People would say to me, you can't possibly be getting anything out of that ripping through the Bible like that. I had a president of the seminary tell me that. I had, people I would tell... You know, they would ask, what is it you're doing? I was on a plane out of Little Rock, and I had my little NLT, and I was reading and reading and reading and reading. I finally stopped somewhere along the way just to rest my eyes a minute. And the lady sitting next to me, she was across the aisle, but it's one of those puddle jumpers, you know? So she was just right there. She said, you're reading your Bible? Yes. She said, you're reading a lot? And I said, well, yeah. Are you reading according to some plan? And I thought, oh boy, Rick, here we go again. And I was tired of the negative response. And so I just took my schedule that was marked off and I handed it to her. And she looked at it and looked at it and looked at it. And my schedule's a little hard to figure out because, Jackie, you... I just list where you read to. I don't have to list where from. Just start at the beginning and read to here, and then start there and read to here. And so it takes a minute to figure out what I'm doing. And I pointed at the heading, through the Bible in 30 days. And can you repeat for me what she said to me? You can't possibly be getting anything out of it going through the Scripture that fast. I said, I'm not reading fast. I'm reading wrong. And I said to her, it's been life-changing. Nothing I've ever done has changed my life like reading through the Bible in huge portions. I said, I'm a Christian counselor. And all of a sudden, all my illustrations are from the Word of God. I said, I've gotten the flavor of the book in my life. I've been in ministry for years and nothing has so impacted my life as reading through the Bible in huge portions.
By the way, that was about October. And reading Alice through the Bible in May of 2007 so impacted my life. I did it again in June. I did it again in July. It was getting a little old. Now, you know, if you read through, look at your Bible, and, you know, that much is Old Testament and that much is New Testament. And I felt, Corey, like I was spending way too much time in the Old Testament. So, Bregan, in August of 2007, I, I just read through the New Testament. But I read the New Testament three times in three weeks during August. And then in September, I read through the Bible again in 30 days. I've continued that. Since 2007, I've read the Bible over a hundred times. And I can tell you still, nothing, Jamie, nothing has touched my life and changed who I am like spending hours with God in the Word of God. I said to you last Sunday that the most life-changing thing you can do is give your life to Jesus. And I hope that everyone in this room has already become a disciple of Jesus Christ by giving your heart and soul to Jesus. If you've not done that, you need to do that right now. You don't even need to wait to the end of the sermon. You need to give your life, your heart and your soul to Jesus by faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But if you've been saved, nothing, nothing will have more impact, more change in your life than building your life on God's Word. Did you hear what he said? He that hears my words, does what I say, is like a man who built his house on the rock. And what I want to talk with you about today is building your house on the rock. By the way, the, deacon, the staff is reading now. The deacons are about to, to read a book. I'm not going to tell you the title because the deacons will go out and buy one and read it before I get a chance to give them the ones that I've bought. But the author is Brad Wagner. Brad Wagner says four or five times in that book, Bregan, that the number one characteristic of a disciple of Jesus Christ and the thing that guarantees growth and maturity more than anything else is daily reading of the Word of God. That's quite a statement. That is from a huge body of research that they did over in churches and in church attenders. So, build, how do you build your life on the Word of God? Number one, dig in to God's Word. Dig in. I, 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 I could have said other things, read or listen to, or, but notice that in his story, in his illustration, Jesus said, it's like a man who building a house dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. Man, that's what I'm talking about. Dig down deep. 
Let me warn you about your devotional books. I'm not against devotional books, but you know what you usually do in a devotional book? You read a verse, and then you read an illustration or a story from that verse, or maybe three, and you spend more time reading devotional thoughts than you do the Word of God. My class this morning probably thought I was nuts because I read out loud Acts chapter 4, verse 32 through the end of chapter 5. Took a while. Took a while. I believe in that because it's not true of my class because I hammer them all the time about reading the Bible. But there probably would be someone in there that's the most Scripture they've heard in a month. Most church members... Here we go. Now in his book, Brad Wagner says, the problem with pastors is they think their church is different. Just like you think your kids are different, right? My kids are not like that. They're above average. They don't do things like that. And I, Lisa, that's how I feel about my church. I'm just not sure it's so. I may be wrong, but the typical member of the typical Baptist church typically takes their Bible home on Sunday and puts it on the shelf and they do not pick it up again from 1 o'clock Sunday afternoon until 9 or 10 o'clock the next Sunday morning. The typical church member never opens the book. And it's the rock. It is the foundation of our life. And we don't read the Bible. Some of you will not hear more Bible all week long than you hear this morning. And that's just wrong. That's just wrong. Dig in to God's Word. To do that, first of all, you have to recognize the Bible as God's inspired Word. Otherwise, why read it, right? If you don't recognize it as inspired and true and accurate, if you listen to all this junk about contradictions in the Bible and it's old-fashioned and it's culturally inappropriate, it is God's Word. All Scripture is God-breathed. Listen to me. Understand this, the Bible is the user's manual of creation written by the Creator Himself. You say, well, we don't, nobody taught us about marriage before we got married. Read the Bible. Nobody told us how to handle our children. Read the Bible. Nobody told me that it was wrong to do this or that. Read the Bible. It's amazing what you find when you read the Bible. It is God's user's manual for you and for me. And it is alone the only true foundation upon which to build your life. If you buy, if you're building your life on Oprah and her program, you're in a world of hurt. If you're building your life on People Magazine, you're in trouble. The Word of God, given by God, 
is the foundation for your life and turning from everything else and building your life, spending time in the book is absolutely life-changing. Hear what he says then by reading your Bible. Notice it says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. This came out on Babylon B this week, and I just could not resist having Walter put it in my slide presentation. Can you, can you read that? This guy's got, he listens to 13 different podcasts every day, and he's got the Bible on his phone, but he can't listen to the Bible on his phone. He does not have time to read the Bible because he's spending all his time listening to podcasts. There's something wrong with that. and There is a sad truth to that. If all the Bible you get is on Sunday, you are starving to death spiritually and not even aware of it. Get in the book. Get in the book. Read your Bible. It is life-changing. Listen to my story. Take it to heart. Read the Bible. Listen, you don't have to read through the Bible in 30 days. We've got schedules. They are in your Connections magazine. You can click on the link. You can download a one-year read through the Bible. You can read... Uh, click on a 90-day, a 60-day, a 45-day, a 30-day, read through the Bible. Whichever you do, listen to me. Getting in the book will change your life. As Brad Wagner says near the end of that book, Todd, he says, I know I've said it several times already, but let me say it one more time. Nothing so indicates or causes the growth of a disciple of Christ as reading the Bible every day. Get in the book. Be diligent. Is it hard? Yeah. Because you've got all these other interruptions besides which you think the devil wants you to do that. He will send everything he can his way, including your husband. He's going to want another cup of coffee. He's going to want... Or, or your wife. I want you to spend time with me. You're reading your Bible all the time. Listen, I'll be a better husband if you let me read my Bible. You'll be a better wife if you read your Bible. And while you're doing it, enjoy His presence. In fact, I would say, uh, I like this, and I have no idea who said this first. The Bible is the only book that when it is read, the author is present. I like that. But let me give you a little hint. When you start to read the book, Deepak, ask God to show up. Ask Him to be there and to speak to your heart. Terry, to show you something in the book that you can use that day. Acknowledge His presence and He'll be there. Then, number two, practice what the Bible preaches. He said in that, those verses that Larry read, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? If you love me, keep 
my commandments. He said that again and again. I believe, and you've heard me say this many times, Vince, I believe in practical preaching. I don't preach just for knowledge. Not that there's anything... You need to know theology. You need to know about the book. You need to know about Jesus. But it doesn't do a lot of good, Don, to know about it if we don't do it, right? The point is to learn what we're supposed to do. Learn what the Bible preaches and practice what it preaches. We need to do it. First of all, you've got to understand what you're reading. I mentioned the NLT. I asked the men, Don and Don, you were there, and Basil was there, Terry was there, um, trying to picture who was sitting in the middle. Anyway, I, I spoke to the Thursday morning coffee bunch and I asked them, which is the best translation? Now I know what some of you will say, and that's okay. That's good for you. But you know what the best translation is? It's the one that you will read. You tell me the King James or the New King James or the ESV or the NIV, you tell me that's the best translation, that's fine. Do you read it? Can you understand it? I can tell you, and this is the discussion, I made some pretty radical statements and nobody threw rocks. They may come yet, but I made the statement, and I can't believe I'm going to say this and this is being broadcast, but in my opinion, the King James Version is probably not relevant to today's young people especially because there are words in that translation that have so drastically changed their meaning, they don't mean what you think they do anymore. And most people who read the King James Version really do not totally understand it. If you do, God bless you. But get a Bible you can understand. And it doesn't matter what translation it is, if it stays on the shelf and you never read it, it's not doing you or anybody else any good. Understand what you're reading and then apply the principles to your own life. Uh, I don't have time to do the Aaron thing. Aaron's got a really great presentation on this verse. Come to the Exploring Church membership and you'll hear him talk about the Hena purpose clause, the so that. But the Bible is useful for teaching, for rebuking. Some of us need rebuking now and again. For correction. You know what? This is telling us how God wants it to be. This is telling us how it is in our lives. And this is telling us how to put it back like God wants it to be. And training. In what? In righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly, that is completely equipped for every good work. That's putting it recognizing the principles and putting them to work in your life. You know what I do every time I preach? What I try to do, Wendy, is that right there. Taking the principles, showing you the principles, and challenging you to put it to work in your own life. 
Do what you know you should. Do. You know, most of the time, it's not a problem, Sydney, of not knowing what we ought to do. It's the problem we don't do what we know we should do. By the way, Sydney's nodding her head. She's old enough to understand that. Don't just listen to the Word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently, there it is, into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Don't tell me how much Bible you know. Show me how much Bible you live. Live it out. Do what it says. Number three, be prepared for the storms of life. This is a message that I think we probably overlook. They're like the man building a house who dug down deep, laid the foundation on the rock. Get this. When the flood came, Larry, it's not if the flood comes, it's when the flood comes. Tony, it's not if we have problems in our life, it's when we have problems in our life. What I'm saying is storms will come. You agree with that? Can I get an amen for that? Have you had storms? Storms will come. So how do you prepare for them? By the way, I can base that on 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where 10, 13, no temptation is overtaking you except which is common to man. Everybody has problems. Everybody has trials. Everybody has temptations. Everybody, right, has difficulties. So how do you prepare for them? How do you stand when you have difficulties and disappointments? By the way, this is important. We talk about difficulties. Everybody at some point is disappointed. And everybody at some point in their life suffers depression. It may not be clinical depression that requires medication, but if you've lost a loved one, even that pet that died, you have experienced depression. Everybody has difficulties and disappointments. Even Paul said, I have a desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. Paul was disappointed in him in himself. He said, what a wretched man I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? He said, thanks be to God, Jesus Christ. The Word of God is the way to overcome trials and temptations. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love Him. What did Jesus say? How do you prepare for the storms, the trials, and the testing? Dig down deep, Bregan. Dig down deep and build your life on the rock. By the way, everybody knows that kid's song we sing. 
The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man. You know that song? The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the last verse, I'm not going to torture you anymore with, with my singing, but the last verse we have added, so build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a problem with that. Because you're using that particular story, Todd, they just changed what the rock is. Is Jesus a rock? Is He the rock? Yes. But in that story, it's not Jesus. It's His Word. It's the Bible. Build your life on the solid foundation of the Word of God. I'm telling you, there is nothing more life-changing than the Word of God and it will, if you build your life on that, it'll be a firm foundation. And it will not collapse no matter what storm comes, no matter what trial you go through, no matter what temptation. By the way, I wouldn't be fair to you if I did not say to you, one of the trials that you and I will face is the final judgment. I said earlier, that if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you need to do that right now. Why? Because final judgment is coming and you're going to be judged according to what you did with Jesus. What decision did you make about who Jesus is and what He is to you? And you need to trust Jesus. You need to be ready to meet the Creator. You need to be ready for final judgment. But the other thing is, every one of us will be judged about how we built our lives. Did we build our lives on the firm foundation of the Word of God, and did we live according to what the Bible said? Tested as by fire. And there are people, Alice who have been saved, but they have not lived the Word. And what th will happen is everything they've done will go up in smoke. And the way that's described, Sandy, is that they will be as somebody who's barely saved as like escaping from a house on fire. Everything was burned, but they're still saved. I'm not saying that you lose your salvation but I want more in heaven when I get there than the smell of smoke on me because everything I did was wasted because I did not build my life on the Word of God. Dig into the book. Dig into the book. Read the Bible every day. You know, when I give an invitation, I say that I like practical preaching. When I give an invitation, we always talk about, well, you need to be saved. Uh, you need to be baptized. You need to join this church. You need to repent and rededicate your life. And all of that's true. And you can do that this morning. But here's my invitation. Here's my challenge. The Bible challenge. Will you right now Right here, commit to reading the Bible every day. 
2023. Can I suggest to you that you tell someone about your commitment and you give them permission to hold you accountable that they can come up to you and say, Jackie, did you read your Bible today? Did you read it? How many days this week did you read your Bible? Give someone permission to hold you accountable. <laughs> It'll make a difference whether you read or not. Print out a schedule and cross off each day as you successfully read that portion. Now, yeah, I know you can, Alice, you can go to the Uver. Oh, why am I saying Alice? She doesn't do anything on her phone, but... But if you use the youth version translation, the Bible on your phone, Samantha, you can get a reading plan and it'll tell you where you are. But I'm an old man. I heard amen somewhere. And I'm old-fashioned. I like having my reading plan on a piece of paper and surely I mark out that day when I've read and I see the progress. I also feel the pressure, Chris, when, I'm, when I see the date I was supposed to read and I didn't read and I'm behind. I can tell you this, if you decide to do a 30-day reading program, don't get behind. It's terrible to be behind on that reading program. And in fact, if you fall behind, practice forgiveness. Forgive yourself and just start over where you are and keep going. Ask God to meet you in the book to speak specifically to your heart. Now that, that is the invitation today. If there's another decision you need to make for Christ, God bless you. Let us know. Todd will be in the, in, in the lobby and so will I. But I want us to stand together. I'm going to pray over you. And I'm asking you to make this commitment. Not to me. Make that commitment to God. And then do what He tells you to do. Father, I thank You for Your Word. For the beauty of Your Word. For the practicality of Your Word. For the power of Your Word to change our lives. Lord, we want to be a life-changing church. I want to impact lives for life change with my preaching. But I know it is the Word and the Spirit working together that changes lives. And I pray that those who are under the sound of my voice today would make a commitment to spend time every single day with you in your Word. In Jesus' name. Amen.